0: Tim and Sam's podcast. 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 Sam and to have a, have a podcast which is really, really podcast. great. They serve with on our bright and starlit oaks and the very best of nights so welcome to the pod some other views
1: hello and welcome to the pod today tim talks to one of our Favourite composer performers, Caroline Shaw, whose mantelpiece groans beneath the weight of her many international accolades.
0: We chat different composer hats, her new opera for portraits, a shared love of gardening, and of course, an obsession with ABBA. Interview, interview, interview,
1: interview, interview.
0: What, you're in LA, you're on the West Coast?
2: Uh, West Coast, but I'm in Portland, Oregon. What are you up to there? Um, You know, I came out here for a few concerts a few years ago, and now I live here, got a house. So I live partly right. in New York City and partly here in Portland.
0: Because I was going to say, I, I just assumed that you were based in New York. I don't know why. Um, yeah, but yeah I've, I have
2: been... For the last um, off and on for the last 15 years mm. and I have a I rent a f- small fourth floor walk up in Hell's Kitchen so
0: <laughs> oh nice what about Portland how's Portland treating you what what's your connection with the place?
2: Is um I, I really love it here people are really kind and supportive I mm. fell in love with someone here so it's it's funny there's actually been quite a few uh, musicians who have moved out here recently or have been here for a while. So Gabe Kahane and Bora Yoon and Esperanza Spaulding.
0: Oh, she's fantastic. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Portland
0: I have actually been to, but only for two nights. Um, Two nights. Two nights in Portland. Yeah. I stayed at a hostel, a youth hostel. And uh, what did we do? We went to a gig. We, We went and saw this grunge band and yeah amazing people and we spent most of the day in a skate shop chatting to the guys that worked there because we didn't have anything else to do really but yeah I really loved the, the the feel of the city so
2: that sounds like a very Portland experience yeah yeah where uh where are you based or where are you calling from I'm in London
0: I'm based in South London in fact both Sam and I who do this podcast we live about five minutes from each other he's in a place called Crystal Palace and I'm in West Dulwich which is kind of very leafy suburban feel, but mm. lovely. What I was going to ask you about first, I suppose, because I, when I was reading up like previous interviews you'd done and, and just doing a bit of research, pretty much every first sentence started with either Pulitzer Prize winning composer Caroline Shaw or youngest ever Pulitzer winner Caroline Shaw. And, and that struck me that, I mean, obviously, and for those listeners that don't know, you won it when you were 30 years old, I believe that was 10 years ago now, for Partita, which you wrote for Rim Room Full of Teeth. I wondered, how does that make you feel? Is, is it something that still gives you a great amount of pride? Or is it the, the phrase some people use as an albatross around the neck, um, something oh. that's sort of weighing you down? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just wondered how that made you feel.
2: Oh, you know, it's uh, certainly not an albatross. I think it's, uh, that would probably be disrespectful to anyone who's won or not won that. But it's yeah. it was certainly a wild boost to my, I guess, career or life, I should say, at the time. And I remember when that happened, I, people, very few people knew that I wrote music. I was kind of known as a freelance singer and violinist and in a way, there was not a lot of expectation, and yet there kind of was. People, I, I didn't really know what to expect of myself, mm-hmm. and I decided pretty early on that, you know, you don't. I don't get to just rest on this odd, strange, bizarre laurel that has happened. But it's very boots on the ground, and it's time to work harder than ever and and see if I could, you know, write <laughs> write more music. I hadn't written a ton at that time, but I knew that I. I, I love music very dearly, and, and it, it's something that I uh, will always enjoy doing. It's, mm. you know, the fact that it's often the first line or it's the first introduction I've gotten, I've I had to get past it. I realized that for people who don't know me, especially for an older generation, it's this kind of, uh, it's an odd little credential that maybe invites more conservative listeners in who wouldn't mm. otherwise pay attention. But I, I certainly hope that I've moved moved beyond that and I've written I, I don't know how many hours of music since then. Yeah.
0: Did you feel any well you you mentioned that you felt like you had to write a lot was 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 it a feeling of pressure then?
2: Yes and no. I kind of there was um, I think I really, as it said before, like I was kind of a conscious, effort to just say like no i can't i'm I'm gonna there's no pressure no one knows what i can do i don't even know what i can do and life is short and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out i'll do mm-hmm. something do something else there was not a sort of large body of work behind me to kind of compare to mm-hmm. there's a little i felt a little um pressure to if especially if i was writing vocal works choral works i knew that people would be aware of partita and want something maybe in that vein and i think i've moved you know sideways and around that world Mm. since then but the idea of you know the pressure to live up to something is it's a that's a barrier that you can make or you can kind of move Mm. move beyond there was a i tell people there's a bit of advice that I got in college from a chamber music coach once named Ken Goldsmith. And I was playing a Beethoven string quartet. And I was saying, I was really nervous about this shift every time, you know, I'm scared, I'm not going to make it at this point. And he said, he looked at me right in the eyes and said, very lovingly, but also kind of seriously, don't be afraid. It's just music. (laughs) And that, uh, I really love that because it, it reminds me that oh, this is a thing that I love and the world that I get to live in, and you know it shouldn't be something to fear.
0: Hmm, it's a very holistic attitude, isn't it? Or maybe holistic isn't it, right, but it's <laughs> healthy. Yeah,
2: healthy. Yeah, it seems healthy, or at least yeah. a healthy aspiration. Something to to keep in mind.
0: The the other thing that I notice when I'm reading, well, there was one profile in particular that that kind of painted you in this as this new type of composer someone who is a, a break from the traditional image of a composer you know, citing your your ties to grassroots organizations ensembles and that the fact that you as you say perform a lot of your own music and you i haven't sadly seen you live in concert yet but one day um that you you're quite the barriers between audience and uh performers are quite loose in your concerts i gather like you're quite happy chatting um I don't know. Do you, do you recognize that description as a new kind of uh, composer different from the sort of traditional maestro? I don't know.
2: Mm. Yeah. And I, I would also say that I'm by, you know, certainly not the only one And there, those before me who have been doing this. um, And my first thought is that in the rest of the music world outside of classical, that's pretty normal. (laughs) Yes, just the, you know, it's, there we often kind of get stuck in these feelings of like, Oh, this is so new and different. Well, Mm. you know, out outside of these uh, kind of classical Mm. sphere and concert hall, aesthetic and tradition. um, You know, you go to a concert, and people stand up, and there's no program, and they talk about what the music feel, you know, how they feel about it, or where it came from. And, Mm. and that's, uh, you know, also, you know, the pop and indie rock world is something that I I'm aware of and grew up in, even though it was mostly classical when I grew up. Mm. Um, you know, I I I think that the question of whether I'm writing or performing or both, what is the the question that is important to ask is what is the gift that I want to to make for the audience or for the musicians playing it?
1: Mm.
2: How do you invite them in and make that? day or evening or week more more beautiful? What's the what is the thing that can be offered? Um mm. what's the invitation? And and it feels like a nice guide and it certainly it's it seems a little different from the kind of my maestro uh aesthetic and tradition.
0: Yeah. Were you disappointed that tar didn't get any Oscar?
2: well i i loved um everything everywhere all at once uh Mm. and i you know i i I thought it was a really interesting film um i i don't people say like oh did you like it it's like it's not really matter if i liked or if i loved it or Mm. disliked it there's it certainly generated a lot of conversation afterward and it was for me it was a you know as much a critique of classical music institutions and Culture and aesthetic and language as as anything. I remember that opening scene where you see her kind of speaking so f- formally and mystically about music is a language that I I both grew up hearing and and revering, but also I really bristled at it. I said, "Well, mm. there's there's um you know such a pressure to create a mystique around one's maybe you know, persona or or." The, what one does in music sometimes uh not always for the best
0: and that mystique can sometimes take over become more important than the music itself can't it and again very also is
2: a a really mystical thing music is it's this it's it's kind of magic yeah (laughs) exactly to to be able to honor that and celebrate that and share that with people is really important but also to Uh, And another thing that sticks in my mind, you know, all the time is people are more important than music. (laughs) So Mm. that's the that's the number one thing.
0: You talked about pop already and uh, like Nas National. You've done TV scores, you've done dance music, um, Mm -hmm. opera, which um, I'd love to talk about in a bit again, it's, it's another question around sort of like perception, I suppose, but I'm interested, how do you feel about people seeing you as kind of like a crossover? I'm doing, it's not very good for listeners, yeah. if I'm doing a quotation <laughs> the, the mark. The finger quote, mark. Finger, yeah, perfect for an audio medium. And, you know, it's is being labeled, I mean, are the labels crossover or pop or classical? Are they, are they helpful for you? Because the, audience, the answer I would expect and I don't want to put words in your mouth but I, that I often get is no it's not helpful at all. So the reason I ask I suppose is more to do with process is that are, are you subconsciously adhering to those labels in order to fulfill a particular mm. purpose to serve a purpose right and where where's that line drawn between serving a purpose but then also bringing your own voice? Mm.
2: That's a cool way to frame that sort of what is the, yeah. Is it serving a purpose is what, you know, Mm. it does get into the question of what is your purpose in music and in life. I will say that there's some, I'm I'm sensitive and empathetic to, you know, journalists who have to operate within the limits of language. And I really recognize that the word crossover, which I feel like really took hold in the nineties. It feels like a very Mm. like, 90s thing of record labels saying here's a crossover artist look how yeah. can we market this thing to sell more compact right. discs
0: <laughs> Philip Glass Ravi Shankar, like east meets west kind of yeah
2: yeah so that you know the the categories are kind of constructed but the ultimate you know purpose or or mission or goal or musical environment that you know I and others like to live in is is one where um we're not so stuck you know with the the borders between music mm. um and it's re- it's ultimately about what do you love what is the music that you want to hear and i'm a i'm an ad- i'm an addict i want to keep making more things that i want to hear that i've never heard before and what are the tools that are available what is what are the sounds and feels and elements of music that move me and that i love and what is being able to live in those and draw from those without the kind of self-consciousness of, you know, wondering whether someone will take you seriously or say, oh, you shouldn't do that. Or that's dumb. I never, one thing I'd never want to be is superficial. I never want there to be a sort of superficial collaboration. I want there to be some real purpose and meaning in it. You know, why, if you, you know, simple things like if you add a beat to something, why, why there must be a, there's, there's a musical, exciting musical reason for that. Mm. And, and I also, you know, I love a lot of, I love a lot of music. So I want to, I think I started writing music when I was younger because I loved what I was playing. I was interested in it. And then writing music made me listen to things more deeply and created a sort of, I just became a much more active listener once I started making things Mm. and sometimes, you know, diving into, maybe a a palette of sounds, what you call it, you know, a a genre, or but a a different kind of world is also part of my own purpose in wanting to discover more and make something that I've never heard before, but it Mm. feels like it has always been there. It's been just under the surface. And some of the collaborations that I've done in the past have come, I didn't seek out, they sort of were odd things that happened, but within those, once that started, I wanted to always find what's the seed of this. I don't want to be, mm. I don't want it to be a superficial classical composer c- collaborates with hip hop artist. And I can say, very, you know, I don't talk about Kanye very much. That's another thing that is usually in the first line of my bio. So mm. that I, I, I took the, I took Kanye West's name out of my bio a few months ago. Mm-hmm. But it was the the initial collaboration was fruitful and had a lot of potential. And I I never wanted that to be something where, you know, someone plucks a classical composer to orchestrate a pop song. Like there are hundreds of people who could do that. But I I wanted to say what is the seed of this song that he's offered or he has and and what is something that I, with all of the sort of musical ingredients that I love and know, um, how can I pull something deeper out of this that you know we didn't have before and that's something that I enjoy doing.
0: Yeah I'm interested in that idea of listening because it sounds can I infer from your answer there that you that listening to lots of different types of music is a very important part of your composing process like that that act of assimilation almost. Because I'm, I'm interested. It. In, I, I was really interested to hear or or read. I think that Anna Meredith. I don't know if you come across you uh, mm-hmm. Scottish composer. She finds that she has to not listen to anything at all when yeah. she's in that composing process because she doesn't want anything to influence what comes out in case it becomes too much of somebody else's voice instead of her own. So I don't know. I what would. You, what's your response to that?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm. Safe. It's actually the same in the time of writing music it's right was like, what are you listening to? I was like, I don't listen to anything. Right. <laughs> I have a playlist of ocean sounds and I listen to the last year it's just been box well-tempered clavier book Two, just kind of obsessively all the different recordings of it kind of mm. dive into one person for a month. That's the only thing that I regularly listen to and Abba gold Abba <laughs> and then there's a lot of silence because it you know to to be generating something I um it's both the kind of not so much out of fear of something else getting too deep inside there, but mostly because there's a that blank paper, the blank canvas is is a really exciting place to be and I really like it and mm. and it's you know, just need a lot of quiet alone time to build a world that feels really compelling and is really deep and rich. Mm. That said, there I'll go through periods of I call them kind of like, deep listening deep consumption of music which is um rarely do i go to the gym but when i do go to the gym that's the time where it's i'll, I'll go through maybe the uh, spotify rap caviar playlist or mm. top top 20 pop songs and just do a deep like deep listen of like what is what's going on there or maybe some much older music uh i don't listen to a ton of contemporary classical music maybe out of fear of, of being too mm. close to it but it's also i I listen with a much more critical ear for, for that world. And it's, it's not the same kind of musical experience, but yeah.
0: That's interesting. I I was, I suppose the next thing I was going to ask is do you feel any pressure to keep up with the the latest?
2: You know, when I I was younger, I think I was, I was much more conscious of that. And also more when I was playing and singing new music, I was Mm. encountering a bunch of new stuff, whether through friends or for, other professional gigs so it was I was kind of in this constant just hearing conversations about what's going on knowing knowing who's doing what what are the venues and now now that I'm an elder composer at age 40 <laughs> <Did you hear? laughs> I it's not that I'm not interested it's just uh, sometimes it's a matter of time and waiting for the kind of the, the right space for that kind of attention mm. I don't feel the you know as I, I think as I get but it'll be interesting in the next, I don't know, a few years or 20 years to see if that I kind of go back to that. I'm actually in a period right now I've been writing kind of co- just absolutely constantly for the last 10 years. And a couple of years ago, I realized I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> and I've just, uh, well, there's one more little thing I have to do, but I've just finished kind of the last commission. So I'm, I have a, that's like wild blank, um space in front of me and I I feel more creative now than I have I mean I've always felt like really excited and creative but there's this feeling of oh I can there's a reset that's happening anyway but if as that relates to you know staying staying abreast of current I guess trends or what's what's happening in contemporary classical music I think I'm right now sort of more interested in what's what are the current trends in hip-hop and indie music and songwriting and, um, kind of the genres that I, I didn't grow up with.
0: I was fascinated to read that Fiona Apple was kind of your gateway. And I I don't know if gateway is the right word, but, um,
2: she kind of was, and there was, there was beach boys and the Beatles from my parents when I was younger Mm. and a little ABBA from, from a friend of mine, but then, yeah, someone gave me a, they like burned a copy of, um, when the pawn her CD when I was I don't know, 19 or 20 and I was just hooked
0: <laughs> yeah it was um I'd never heard of her before the latest album came out it was two years ago now um mm-hmm. and fell in love with the, with the whole album but um it was all this it was all the found sounds all of the like crazy stuff she'd been recording at her home that went into all the percussion and it was yeah. so texturally rich to listen to um and I hadn't really heard a Maybe I had, but it felt like at the time I'd never really heard a pop record like that. She did a wonderful cover of a Beatles song. um,
2: Across the universe. Across
0: the universe,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. The guy I do the podcast with, Sam, amongst various uh things he does is he's a singer and a teacher he runs the london city inclusive choir for adults with special educational needs and they have been covering your cover of (gasps) lay all your love on me so the best thing to do would see if i can share it in um in the chat maybe because you can send files Oh, yeah. And then I just thought you maybe you'd want to watch it. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's a couple of minutes long. I mean, you don't you don't have to watch it now or maybe watch like.
2: Oh, wait, I kind of want to watch it now. We can watch it be now. Yeah. You can send it to me.
0: It's sending. So. okay,
2: All right. I'm going to it's about three minutes long. I'm going to press play now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: OK. Go. Double. Go. Go. Wait. See your ego. right. my (laughs) god thank you so much
0: oh pleasure yeah no i'll pass that on to sam
2: yeah tell Sam. I like i'm crying because i i also like really love that song Mm. Mm -hmm. and and i like it we wanted to make a kind of this kind of hymn something like very holy about it and and just hearing them sing it and then with the extra like little bits of sound and then the swooping vocals and then Mm -hmm. the like, bring back the beat. I really love that. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's a
0: pleasure. That was why I wanted to ask what was the reason for choosing that song in particular? And I suppose you've kind of answered it there already, but
2: yeah, I just, I think there's something about the, the there's several Abba songs that have this Bach chorale, like kind of chord progression and Mm -hmm. voicing. And that one, it's definitely one of them i was like i i was i was actually searching i was like is there a particular Bach chorale that this is because it has that sort of like shift little pivot chord shift to the relative major yeah. and then it kind of goes back and 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 it's also just a song that you hear in this like upbeat way that's really fun but it's really devastating it's a really devastating thing mm. to sing about it's like don't go wasting your emotions, you know, lay all your love on me. Don't go sharing your devotions. Like, please don't. It's essentially like, don't leave me, Yeah. which is one of the, just an essential for anyone who's ever been in love. That's mm. an essential feeling. And and I wanted to make something that's not, um, this was something we had talked about with So Percussion, like at dinner the night before we recorded that. I was talking with Adams. like, what if we did a cover? I was like, this is a song I really love. I think we should... Not do any of the verses. I don't care about the verse. I just want the chorus again and again. It's like I want it to be this slow, and it's like we need to put a click track on so that every single bit of that silence is accounted for. Mm. You have to have the silence in there. Mm. Anyway, again, it's kind of that I think I mentioned before. Was trying to find the seed of a song that's there that you don't, um, that you could bring out in a certain way.
0: Yeah, it's a really beautiful cover. Um. And it's certainly one of my favorite tracks on that album, um, which was a real joy to discover actually. Because and the first of your albums was Orange, actually, which is why I made the comment at the beginning. Because
2: oh yeah, yeah. I and I wanted we were talking about Fiona Apple earlier. I'm just going to put this out into the universe. I joke with so percussion all the time. That's like this is your warm up practice album before you do your album with Fiona Apple, and it was my <laughs> dream from them for them to actually like. Fiona Apple and so percussion come together and make something that is fetch the bolt cutters further further and further with all those you know found sound and percussive elements i think it would be that would be an extraordinary album so it would let's be. make it happen timmy well,
0: i'll see what i can do okay <laughs> like and subscribe like and subscribe we haven't spoken yet about your latest I don't know if latest project is the right I don't know if it is your latest project but four portraits at the Lyric Mm -hmm. Opera Chicago can you give us the quick pitch what what can people expect what's the project about what what is it
2: sure uh four portraits is a 45 minute piece of opera in four scenes it's ultimately about two people trying to find each other and the kind of loneliness of uh, the modern world and our interaction with technology—that mm. is the quick pitch. <laughs> I've labeled the two main characters A and B. They are uh, otherwise not specific in any way, and I I like that because I I want these characters to be open to whoever plays them, and and uh, and I I think that we're f- brining that right now in Chicago I just want to invite the the singers in to be somewhat themselves or to create their own character within that Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um a kind of every uh you know every person kind of story there's also an ensemble of people that kind of appear they're labeled one through eight they're also kind of not specific and there's a a character that we call the gps which is is in one of the scenes. Each of the four scenes is kind of a different, distinct um, portrait. The first is the two people trying to talk to each other on the phone. And you have that feeling as you're on phone or FaceTime and the connection's glitching out. You're like, I, I can't, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? And you're trying to hear what they're saying. And it keeps glitching out. And that feeling that we've all had, whether it's a banal situation or really, um, you know, sort of a momentous thing in a relationship the frustration and comedy of that um the second scene is uh on the train in this case the sort of the l l train in chicago the commuter train and the that feeling of loneliness in a crowd Hmm. you're surrounded by people but what if you could hear everyone's kind of inner world what they're thinking about the third which is my favorite is in the car and this is Um, one of the characters you know driving to meet the other um following the gps directions you know google maps apple maps saying you know turn left on linden turn right on elm street and in this kind of surreal magical realism twist the gps becomes very poetic and Mm -hmm. then it feeds into um the character b singing a beautiful adrian rich poem which is Kind of about loneliness, mm-hmm. and the fourth scene is um, the two characters kind of sitting, sitting in the woods or sitting on a bench in a park—a kind of return to nature—and there's a sense of um, kind of resolve in that. But it's just kind of a simple, beautiful mm-hmm. scene that quotes a bit of a Walter Benjamin story.
0: Right. Have you done anything on this scale before?
2: No, I've done—I um, guess it's sort of forty-minute, kind of not staged. Oratorio, I think you would say, for yeah. um, Philharmonic Baroque and a couple of soloists a few years ago, but never staged opera, nothing on this scale. And I, I've been kind of hesitant to dive into the world of opera um, too soon because I think it's a it, it's it's a really different <laughs> uh, kind of project, and I I didn't want to go into it too early. And this was a Kate an opportunity to make something that is slightly smaller just um, essentially one act rather than being responsible for the old, whole evening I've enjoyed it and also it's been one of the hardest things and longest processes uh, I've ever been a part of
0: Have you learnt anything specifically from it that you'll that you think you'll be taking forward I mean
2: well I, I one thing that I wanted to try is that I, I wanted to put a really intimate absolutely everyday, not mythical not grand not super dramatic story on stage and frame it within the kind of wide dramatic palette of of music to tell a a really uh familiar um story in a in a deep, deep way, which is kind of related to how almost how I scored Fleischman is in trouble, this TV show I worked on recently, where you have this you know, just domestic story of a, a couple getting into divorce. But within that, within those every bit of the communication, within um, every look, there's incredible drama and meaning and history in there. And it's really fun to, to score that with music. And I learned that that is a uh, actually a really fun thing to do. And I would like to do it again. <laughs> um, I also, I, I know that the, I understand vocal writing pretty well. I'm not a bel Canto singer myself, but I, um, kind of understand it. It's, it's a really different process writing for that kind of voice versus my own voice, which is much more folky pop, but I've, uh, I've always sort of maintained that I want the singers to feel really comfortable and we've worked on changing lines to make sure that it works with their voices. I guess the biggest thing I learned is that opera involves many, many, many people, um, many emails, uh, (laughs) many people on staff, many deadlines that are quite strict, (laughs) (laughs) librarians, uh, admin. And, you know, you're, it's, it was not kind of unlike the TV scoring process and that you're, you know, I'm a, part of something larger and Mm. I want to do a good job serving those who are also working hard in their different various spheres so that, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the weakest link. On the page,
1: it looked nothing, the beginning simple, almost comic, just a pulse, bassoons, basset horns, like a rusty squeeze box. Suddenly, high above it, an oboe, a single note hanging there, unwavering, until a clarinet took it over sweetened it into a phrase of such delight.
0: a lot of the music that you've recorded and written you're involved in right because as you say you're a you're a performer you're a singer and a violinist Mm
2: -hmm.
0: will it feel different not being able to have any of your own performing imprint uh, Um, on this project
2: um a little bit i mean i think there's there have been projects like you know things for orchestra or for other singers where i'm not you know i'm not involved on stage but i feel really lucky that with the Lyric Opera Chicago, um, was very generous with the kind of time leading up to the to the final rehearsals, and mm-hmm. that I was able to spend a lot of time with at least a couple of the singers, certainly with the ensemble, talking yeah. about a kind of directness of delivery and um, style. But I also, you know, I'm I never want to be. I, I do like serving. I like kind of being part of a larger thing and making sure that everyone in the room feels, um, you know, comfortable and welcome to contribute their own personality or, Mm. um, creativity or voice to something. And I, and I do kind of categorize this project in a very different way than, um, yeah, my work with soap percussion or some of my other sort of more recent kind of pop projects. There's always, you know, I think it's really important to, understand and dive deeply into the role that a project requires you to be in and there's always something new to learn i think people stop learning when they're just trying to kind of ex, you know live in one role mm-hmm. whether it's you know the the maestro that's when you I, I don't know i think you grow from being a different part of the garden kind of looking from below or looking mm-hmm. from the side and i like getting to do that
0: mm-hmm. A lot of garden imagery in your music and in the way that you speak about
2: it. <laughs> in the other room, we were just looking at this. We started seeds, you know, about a month before you put them in the ground. Mm-hmm. So they've, we've got like 15 different things kind of just starting to pop up. It's oh, exciting, isn't it? Looking, it's very exciting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've got, you can't see, but just beneath me, I've got seven or eight potted things that are just starting oh, to come yeah. through. I've got an avocado that I grew from... Uh, from a supermarket it, avocado in the end.
2: Is that not the most magical thing?
0: Absolutely thrilling, yeah. I couldn't believe it when oh, it went.
2: Yeah. We had a really amazing time with a mango seed. It was a similar yeah. kind of transformation of like, you know, just like the dry white and then it becomes this like little green dragon and like transforms mm. and then sprouts, it's wild. Oh man, I've not That's done that. That's cool, well good luck, good luck with the avocado. Getting text, ain't no fun.
0: Right, so we've got a little bit of time left, maybe enough time for a quiz. How do you feel about a quiz? Great. So for listeners that don't know, on your Narrow C EP with So Percussion, there's a lot of household percussion, right? There's there's, uh, ceramic bowls of water, there's flower pots. Uh, I have put together a sound quiz for you. It's an audio oh. <laughs> medium. So I figured maybe I could do this without turning off my camera, but I'm going to tilt it upwards so you can't see what I'm doing. And I'm going to make some sounds, some found sounds with household items. Okay. And I'm going to ask you to see what, to guess what they are. I'll start off with something fairly easy, I think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so th- this is from the garage. I'll put it, but um, to be used outside, uh, and it's really fun.
2: A, spri- a sprinkler. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds, like, it sounds like there's something chopping. You're chopping something at the same time. Something's moving around and something's chopping. Something
0: is moving. It's actually a. It's a skateboard wheel.
2: A skateboard wheel. Oh, yeah. Cool. Sorry, that was hard. That was that is very hard, but very cool. I don't skateboard. That seems really difficult. But you live in Portland. I know. I gotta learn to do this. Okay. <laughs> Item number three. It sounds like it's inside a bowl that is there's like a resonating kind of chamber. You're dropping something that has like a granular quality to it. Mm-hmm. So it, feels yep. like, it feels like a little, like a beaded necklace dropped into a bowl and there's a little tone to it. It's like a little, you have a charm bracelet in a bowl. That's what I got to make. Okay.
0: Okay. It was salt into the bowl.
2: Oh, it is salt. It's coming. It is coming out.
0: It's salt coming got out it. into the bowl. Yeah.
2: Well, that's definitely a, a utensil on. Cer- it's either ceramic or metal. It's really high and met- it's almost metallic. I'm gonna go with sp- spoon on a glass. On a it's, mug, spoon on a mug.
0: Oh, it's it's a glass bottle. It's a bottle of my housemate's mum's homemade apple juice batch 2022, with a triangle beater.
2: <laughs> triangle beater. Oh, okay.
0: So pretty good.
2: I could almost smell the apple juice in it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay oh, <laughs> That is probably a toy That my brothers had In the 80s <laughs> Yeah that-
0: I think that's probably correct It's a Star Trek communicator Oh Cool And actually my brother listens to this podcast religiously And this is his um, And I took it from him And I don't think he knows So oh, Classical music
1: How good it is to hear that Caroline Shaw is such a warm and nice person she's so nice. I sometimes worry with people who present their things in like quite a stylized and cool way as she does the beautiful mm. YouTube videos that they're going to be a little bit standoffish, yes. and that sort of veneer of cool is because they withhold things, yes, whereas it feels very sort of actually authentic and just exactly beautiful.
0: we we spoke about that veneer overtaking the music we touched Mm. on it and
1: and maybe that is because her sense of uh, serving the music and ego is in such a good place
0: Mm, yeah serving came up a lot didn't it
1: a lot and it's a lovely word to use about music and i was chatting with our good friend harry sever of the theme tune Mm. uh about that balance of ego Mm -hmm. and thinking back to our Anne dudley interview and that sweet spot of being having enough ego having enough confidence to be sure that what you have to offer will be of use that you you can serve Mm. but then that that doesn't overtake and you don't dominate you don't the art doesn't become about you Mm. Uh, and it's actually quite a narrow band that that you are you have enough ego to accept the challenge and lead to write composers caroline does Mm. but then not so much that they, that becomes the dominant part mm. of the exercise.
0: You're right, yeah, it's a narrow landing strip, that one. Mm. To use an economics term, I think. That's nice. This is the pretentious police. We have deemed that comment pretentious.
1: It's only music. Yeah, that line jumped out at me as well. That's a very interesting thing to hear coming out of the mouth of one of the world's leading composers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that I personally remind myself of, especially being uh, engaged to someone whose day job involves mortality and Mm, someone actually can die at your place of work. If I sound a bit sharp, it really isn't the end of the world. Uh, But it's the kind of thing that might upset some people especially in times when it's uh, BBC singers are being cut Mm. or the whole arts in this country feels like it's under threat. It shouldn't be that just because we can acknowledge that if someone's in a life-or-death situation, that's more important than a concert. Yes. That we should, be in a con- we should be in all concerts.
0: I thought it was interesting that, in a way, what she said there is kind of radical. Mm. And it almost proved to the point that she was denying, in a way, that she was not a new kind of composer, that there are other people that have been doing this for years and years and years. And, and yeah, okay, maybe there are, but...
1: it's a It's a novel take for someone at the front of that industry to be just
0: Yes. Hey, I loved her reaction to your recording with the choir Man, of Lay a, Your Love On Me. Whew.
1: I will take that to them, and I hope they enjoy it as much as I did mm. hearing her react to that. It's been a a wonderful resource for us. We've got members in that choir who love ABBA, just as we both do and as, mm. as Caroline does, uh, and inviting them to build in their own creativity and cover songs and use some of the virtuosic talents that they've got that maybe are unpitched or unstructured, outside of uh, the sort of more confined set of musical skills Mm. that you would do if you were just repeating the record. Yeah. The new version that Caroline created was a real invitation to us to then make something of our own. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And, uh, yeah, it's been hugely fruitful, and we're now doing other songs in a similar vein, adding... adding Mm. Our own voices. Hmm. But you didn't ask her about Kanye.
0: No, I didn't. That was... Cause as listeners may have guessed, I had a raft of Kanye questions, <laughs> just in case we got onto it, or if it felt yeah, appropriate. Because you're
1: thoroughly prepared at all yes. times.
0: And clearly it's not something that e- either Caroline doesn't want to speak about at all, or something she's not ready to speak about. Or mm. I just didn't feel like it was appropriate. And to be honest, I didn't feel like I'd be serving the interview. Mm,
1: meta. Purposeful, purposelessness, the meaningful, meaninglessness, meaninglessness, I should say. Pur- purposeful, pur- purposeful, purposelessness, meaninglessness, I should say. Pur- pur- purposeful, pur- purposeful
2: purposeful, meaninglessness. Purposeful meaninglessness. I should say. Classical music pod, I should say.